Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This ride is just insane! We're gonna go 165 feet in the air. We're gonna drop down 180 feet, like an 85 degree angle. You ready? I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And now we're going into an Immelman maneuver! Enema? An enema maneuver. I had that last week actually. Coast in the country. With Marcus Lashock. From WGN TV Studios in Chicago, this is Coast in the Country. I am Marcus Lashock. Welcome! to episode 17 of the podcast. This is where we run down everything that's happening in the theme park world, tell you about all the great places you can travel to across the country and just have some good old-fashioned family fun. It is March, finally. We are in Chicago, as I mentioned, and January and February, traditionally the worst months of the year because the weather stinks, but also, you know, theme park season is done. There's really nothing going on. There's not a lot of things. There's some wintertime things you can do around Chicagoland, but really, you know, it's notoriously the worst months of the year. And, you know, since it is March, we are getting closer to parks across the country opening for the season, all kinds of new attractions making their debuts. And this week, we're talking about one of them at Walt Disney World's Hollywood Studios. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is taking over the spot formerly home to the Great Movie Ride. And this is the first ride themed after Mickey Mouse ever. It's hard to believe, right? I had a hard time believing that. There's been some attractions with the Mickey theme, some shows, but never a ride before. Um, so they had the me- media preview this week. I was not able to attend that, but uh, we're actually going to check in today with one of the people who was there to ride it. His name is Alan Delinka, and he writes for the website mouseplanet.com. We actually met at the Rise of the Resistance um, media event at the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge last December, and he's a Chicago transplant. He was a lawyer in Chicago who moved down to Florida and now covers everything Disney. I talked to him on the phone about the new ride, what that experience was like. First, we talked uh, spoiler-free, but then uh, I did ask him to get into some spoilers because I'm a person that really likes to geek out about the rides. I like to to dive into that. So there will be some parts of this that you might want to mute out if you or skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to know some of the things that happen throughout the ride and kind of how that happens and all that. But uh, just a fair warning with that. And I do give a, a warning in the interview, too that we're going to talk about some spoilers so you can tune out of that uh, in plenty of time. We also talked about the leadership change at Disney with Bob Iger stepping down and Bob Chapek being named 
the CEO of Disney and what his thoughts were on that as somebody who is at Disney all the time and what that could mean for the future of Disney parks and what he wants to see happen, what we want to see happen at Disney parks and some of the things that, that could possibly happen there. And also whether or not people are freaking out about the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. That's what's all in the news right now is this virus that's going around. And how is that affecting things at Disney? Obviously, they had the media event this week. There's been a ton of things being canceled all over the place. But they had this media event this week at Disney. And so I asked them about that. What kind of things are we seeing? What kind of changes? If you're somebody who's thinking about going down to Disney World uh, or Heck, even Disneyland for that matter, matter, but we're really talking about Disney World here in Florida. You're taking the family down there. Is that something you should be concerned about? Are there different things happening at Disney World because of that? What kind of changes has he seen around the parks? We talked about all of that, and so I'm just going to go ahead and get to our interview right now. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Alan, how you doing? Good, Marcus. How are you? Great. So I would be better if I was in Florida. Obviously, oh, the weather here is fantastic. I'm sure it is, and uh, it was a big, big week this week for this ride. A lot of people are talking about it. I'm uh, on Twitter this morning, and the general public's showing up today. There was last I checked, there was about a three hour wait to get on this thing, so people are definitely excited for it. You were one of the first people to ride it, so what was your overall? Just walk me through it. You know, walk me through the whole thing and going through it, and what were your thoughts were? I had a whole lot of fun, and. What's nice about that is it was somewhat unexpected. I had heard, like a lot of fans, you know, the great movie ride is going away. I wasn't completely upset by that. The movie ride needed an update. It was a ride that dated back to the beginning of the park. And while the films resonated with me, because, heck, I was already over 20 when the park opened in 1989, uh, the, the, the ride needed an update. And as I said to uh, the lead Imagineer, Kevin Rafferty, when I met him and chatted with him yesterday, this ride is a great replacement for that. It's a fun ride that gives you Mickey and Minnie in the Chinese theater. And you basically enter the Chinese theater the same way you used to. And the Chinese theater looks as it has more or less inside as it always has, except now it's set for the premiere of the Perfect Picnic, which is the name of the brand new Mickey and Minnie short that they created for the attraction. And it's created by the same team that put together the Disney Channel Mickey and Minnie shorts. And you go and see the Perfect Picnic when, of course, in Disney speak, something goes horribly wrong. But here, the horribly wrong is the fun part because you get to enter the film. And Goofy, the train engineer, takes you aboard and you enter into the cartoon world, which is filled with imagery from the cartoon shorts done in brand new ways, ways that Disney hasn't, hasn't used before, ways that I haven't seen on other theme park attractions before. And it's a musical journey because Christopher Willis, the composer who composed the theme song, which will not leave my head, 
has not left my head since I heard it at the preview where you and I met back I, in it December. It has not left my I'm so glad you brought that up because I just saw some clips this week of the ride, and that song is stuck in my head again. The news going to stop us now or whatever it is. Like that, that dumb thing's it. been in my head it. now for 24 hours. <laughs> but that, that music doesn't completely fill the ride, but you hear it in the, in the, in the pre-show, which you've seen, and you hear it in scenes in the ride, and it, it forms the basis of the melody of the whole ride. And it's, it's just a fun, fun family-friendly experience where the, 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 Kevin Rafferty calls them train cars, but the ride vehicles are very much similar to the ones you experienced on Rise of the Resistance. They're trackless. They do their own thing in unexpected ways. And, and Kevin Rafferty told me that instead of going to their ride engineering team to program them, they animated them. They went to the animation team and said, how would you move these cars around? And it feels like that. That makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Um, and I just, for anybody who's listening and wants to completely avoid any spoilers, uh, this is where you might want to pause this and come back to it or turn your volume down or whatever you want to do, because I want to talk about that pre-show uh, a little bit. And I... So when we were there, they took us through the lobby and we got to see the the movie, the short, and just the way you enter the ride and how basically what happens is there's a thing that happens in the movie and then you walk through the screen. The screen like kind of explodes open. And I thought that was so darn cool how they did that. And I found myself um, like, I was in the room too. They kept, they had to basically pull me out of the room because I'm looking at like, how did they do that? Like, how with the projection and everything on it? Because were you as blown away by that as I was? I just thought that was a really cool touch where it's not like you watch watch a movie and then oh, walk through the side door and then board the vehicle. You walk into the movie, right? Yeah. When when we saw that back during the Rise of the Resistance media event, so in early December. Um, that came as a really nice surprise. And yeah. so I'm glad you put the spoiler warning out there because that, that reveal moment, the first time you see it, is very impressive. Now, yesterday I got to do the attraction seven times, so it becomes less and less of a shock. But it is a very, very clever way to have you, in the storyline of this attraction, enter the cartoon world. Because when the movie explodes, you walk into the screen and here's a further spoiler for you, Marcus, and I'll, I'll ruin this one for you and for anybody who hasn't tuned out at this moment. Uh, at the end of the attraction, when you get off the ride vehicle, you walk to another room that's exactly like the one you entered through. And if you turn around, you'll see that you're now walking out of the screen and over your head, it's got the last card of a typical cartoon short. It says the end. That's awesome. That's great. It's fantastic. So how is the, as far as the actual ride goes, I know, I don't think there's any height requirement on the ride, right? Um, yeah. So how, I, how is it like from a thrill factor? Is it, uh, you know, intensity and all that kind of stuff? It, it's family friendly, um, which means that it's not particularly high speed. It has typical Disney warnings posted. And, and there is a moment, and you know, I don't know how much you want to be spoiled before you get to experience I'm, it. I'm fine. Just give it all to me right now. Sure. Well, there's a scene in the attraction where uh, you're now being led by Daisy Duck in a dance class. And it starts off as a waltz. And the four ride vehicles that are in the room with Daisy do this synchronized waltz in the room, which is hilarious. 
And then she says, it's Samba time. <laughs> and the ride does a cha-cha. And I mean, literally, the ride vehicle shakes. And if you know, really? if you got a back issue or a neck issue, it, you know, it, even though I rode it several times, one of the times it shook my back and I was like, oh, wow. But it's 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 not a particularly violent ride. I mean, the the Willard's Wizard, the Willard's Wizard at, at Great America is a uh, is a more uh, is a more violent ride than that. Gotcha. So overall, I mean, I know the Great Movie Ride, like you said, really needed uh, you know, it, it needed some work to it. I remember going to it when I was a kid and loving that ride because I just love the movies, right? Like I love mm-hmm. being everything about what Hollywood studios was when it opened. So it it just spoke to me because you walked in and there would be like a director directing some actress on the street there or something. You felt like you were on a movie set, right? And the great movie ride was a cool part of that. Um, And I know Hollywood studios has changed so much since then with so many different additions and now the toy story land and everything else. Um, but how, how do you how do you think this works as a replacement for that? Because you know that that ride, a lot of people held it dearly. Um, do you, do you think they succeeded with this? Yeah, I do. I mean, the Disney folks talk about it in terms of they transformed Disney's Hollywood Studios from a park that showed you how movies are made into an opportunity to actually enter into movies. And clearly the storyline of Mickey and Minnie's Runway Railway is you walk through the screen and you're in the movie. And it, it really accomplishes that part of the goal. The other part of the goal that, that Mickey and Minnie's accomplishes, along with all of Toy Story Land, is giving this park something for the younger kids. Because although I was never one in connection with this park, it's something that I've certainly heard from plenty of folks over the years that this park lacked. It never had a traditional dark ride like the Magic Kingdom. It never had really super kid-friendly stuff other than like when Bear in the Big Blue House used to play in the theater and they have Disney Junior stuff. But in my experience, the problem with the Disney Junior stuff has tended to be it's not in the Disney sense family-friendly where everybody has a good time together. This ride, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, is that sort of modern take on a dark ride. It's a little bit more thrill than your old Omnimover ride, but it's very, very much a family-friendly ride where I don't have kids, and I thoroughly enjoyed this ride, and I've not really been one who's followed the Mickey and Minnie shorts. It's just a fun, family-friendly ride in, in the true Disney sense of that. How is this the first ever ride themed around Mickey Mouse. I mean, is that true? I mean, I've been reading that and I heard that. Is that is that accurate? Like, this is the first real dedicated ride to Mickey Mouse? Well, the key in what you're asking, Marcus, is the word ride. Um, I talked to Tim O'Day yesterday at the media event, who's one of the, the historians that they had on hand, the company historians. And, and it's, as, as he points out, and as, as some of your listeners and I remember, there was a Mickey Mouse review that opened with Magic Kingdom, which was an animatronic stage show. And in terms of where it was located in Magic Kingdom, it was located where Mickey's Filler Magic is today, where uh, that theater is in Fantasyland. That attraction, very early in its history, was packed up from Magic Kingdom and sent to Tokyo, where it resided until 2008 or nine, and was finally retired. This is actually the first attraction where Mickey and Minnie are the 
leading force throughout the entire ride, and it's a ride where you're in a ride vehicle of some sort going through it. How, why do you think that is? Why do you think that it took this long for a Mickey Mouse ride? Is it because Mickey, Mickey and Minnie are already so all over Disney World already that they want to dedicate attractions to other things? Or I just, I just was having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Like, how, how is this possible that it took this long? Well, the answer the Disney folks gave me when I asked that question was it took us this long to find the right story. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to say. If, if you follow the fan community, the fan community seems to vacillate between we want more intellectual property in the park, like Star Wars and more characters, and those who say they want more original content in the spirit of Pirates of the Caribbean right. and Haunted Mansion. And, and when you follow Disney in the press and in their public pronouncements, they also seem to vacillate between, you know, do we put more IP in the park? Do we put more of our characters in the park? And, you know, certainly starting under Bob Chapek's leadership in recent years, in the language that he's been using with regard to Epcot in particular, that Epcot was going to become more Disney. That has been read by the fan community and we're starting to see as its transformation is taking place. It means putting more Disney characters in that park. And I would imagine that as part of that process, they freed up amongst themselves. Well, heck, we've got Mickey and Minnie. Let's use them for this family-friendly attraction in the Chinese theater. And, and Kevin Rafferty will tell you that, you know, Mickey was conceived on a train by Walt. Hmm. Walt was a train fan. Uh, Walt uh, and Mickey, Mickey plays an engineer in movies. So this is all very much tied to the history of Mickey himself. Speaking, you brought up Bob Chapek, and uh, everybody knew that Bob Iger was going to be stepping down as CEO of the Disney Corporation um, for some time. We knew that was going to happen, but I think it was shocking to most people that it happened so swiftly as it did, and then Bob Chapek taking over that role. What are your thoughts as somebody who deals with so much of what Disney's doing in their parks, right, and what what's happening at Disney World? What do you think this means for the future of the company. What were your overall thoughts on that, uh, on Chapek on being named for that job? Well, it, it certainly came as a surprise timing-wise, since Bob Iger said he was leaving at the end of 2021. And, and Bob Iger obviously has taken on what I've seen described in the, in the press, like the Wall Street Journal, saying this, this executive director role that he's taken on is going to become more common as CEOs provide for transition periods where they're still in the company and yet taking on more specific duties without having to manage the day-to-day -day profit and loss statements of each of their divisions. Bob Chapek was often identified as the leading candidate. He's certainly not super, super popular in the fan community. Um, Why is that? Clearly, you know, I'm not 100% sure. Um, there are folks who point the finger at him for cutbacks. You know, uh, less entertainment in the parks is one of those cutbacks and an increase in in um, extra ticketed events. You know, the, the after hours parties and, right. and charging for parking at the hotels. I, I don't know how much of that is his responsibility versus how much of that is industry trend or other people within the company trying to enhance their own profit and loss statements. Um, but the fan community often looks at him in that regard. Certainly inside the company, he spearheaded a whole heck of a lot of very successful efforts. 
The domestic parks have never had more growth in so short of a period in, you know, the, the what are we up to, 67, 68-year history of the parks division of, of the company. It's just all this explosive investment and in capital in the domestic parks and the foreign parks as well. And, you know, the timing of his becoming CEO has to at least, in my mind, in some way relate to the international concerns over the virus with uh, Hong Kong being closed, Shanghai being closed, Tokyo now closed, and, and the threat it poses to a very important part of the overall business of the Walt Disney Company. That's interesting you brought that up, and I was going to ask you about that. Have you noticed any, I mean, around here in Chicagoland, like it's all you get on the news. And I'm on the news, so I can say that, right? But I mean, it has been what we're talking about. All newscasts, it's been hard for me. I do this trending news segment on WGM Morning News, and I talk about the things that people are talking about online. It's hard for me to go to any of my favorite websites or places all over the internet. And not, you go to a tech blog, and it's something around coronavirus and COVID-19 and technology, and it's everywhere. Are you noticing anything at Disney World that... I mean, you guys still had the media event this week, and a lot of events and things are being canceled right now. Have you noticed anything there? Are you hearing anything from the people there that it might affect the way if people are going down to Disney World for spring break or the summer? Like, should they be concerned about it? I don't know. Like, are you are you seeing or hearing anything regarding that? I, I haven't seen or heard anything specifically. I can certainly say that notwithstanding all of the news, uh, the parks have been extremely crowded. In fact, I was in the parks on Sunday. I was at Magic Kingdom, and I expected it to be, I mean, there's no such thing as a truly quiet day in the parks in the current era, but I expected Sunday to be a lesser day. It wasn't a holiday weekend. It wasn't a marathon weekend. It wasn't a school vacation period. Um, and, you know, Buzz Lightyear is an attraction that I can use as sort of a hallmark. It had a 70-minute wait time wow. when I walked past it. That's a crowded park. Um, looking at it on the whole, so the media event had this little nuance that was different yesterday. The servers at the media dinner made sure that they handed the guests food and they were all wearing gloves. You couldn't serve yourself buffet style anywhere during the media event. Interesting. Um, the parks themselves have long had Jarrell stations that goes back to some other illness that swept the world in the last five, 10 years. And I don't remember which it is. Um, I had noticed in recent years, the Purell stations weren't always being replenished. Certainly yesterday during the media, that's anywhere you found one of those Purell machines and they were everywhere. You could, you could uh, disinfect your hands immediately. Um, so things like that were different, but crowd sides weren't in terms of people wearing masks. It's Disney World. It's a global destination. I've seen people wearing masks there as long as I've lived here, which is over five years right. now. And probably back before that, I haven't seen an increase in it. Um, but, you know, Disney World is a place where you can catch a cold if you don't wash your hands and you don't disinfect. So with the virus out there, if people are more mindful, maybe that will help. But we don't know where this is all going, obviously. Sure. And going back to Chapek there, as a Disney yep. fan, as a you know frequent visitor of the theme parks, what do you what do you hope to see from his leadership? Is there something with a new person coming in? You're like, all right, man, if I could just go in and sit down with this new person, this would be on my wish list of things that I hope that that he can sort of guide the company toward. 
Well, on the parks and resorts and experiences side, which is what he spearheaded the last number of years, I'd really love for the company to find a way to manage its crowds without you know, further taking a financial bite out of guests. Because the way they're currently trying to manage crowds, and it's, it's a little effective, at least visibly. I don't know what its effect is on their, on their balance sheets. But I'd like to see them find a way that you're not stuck in massive crowds and you do get to truly enjoy the day in the park. The way, for example, that Rise of the Resistance works right now, the only way to get an opportunity to ride short of a media experience like you and I have been fortunate enough to get is to get to the park before opening, to be in the park, and then to get your finger ready on the app to try to get your boarding group. And it leaves an enormous number of people on Hollywood Boulevard waiting for rope drops, all jammed in the same place at the same time, um, and all hoping for their electronic lottery number to come up so that they get to ride. There probably is another way, but I don't know if there's a more fair way or a better way. But I'd love for them to find ways to allow people to enjoy their day, still have some spontaneity, but also not be entering a lottery. Like, well, I'm going right. to go to the park today. Maybe I'll get to ride. Maybe I won't get to ride. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing about that. I just was talking to somebody who was there a couple of weeks ago who said that it turned into a really um, – they were very anxious. Like, it, their anxiety levels were – crazy. They said that when they, they got there and they ended up getting a boarding group and getting on, but just the whole process of getting there, opening your phone, and then that moment of figuring out like, okay, am I in or out was just that it felt almost like waiting for the college acceptance letter. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're opening yeah, the envelope yeah. and you, you planned your whole trip around this. And this is the thing, this one moment on my phone is going to be, it's either going to work or it isn't. And, uh, there's no choice to stand in line for 10 hours and get on the thing. Like, say if somebody wanted to wait, that that's not an option, right? You've got to get lucky with the boarding pass. So, um, And, and before, before I moved here, I mean, I, I was a Chicagoan. I lived in Chicago my whole life before I moved down. And, you know, I came on vacation here very often, which gave me the uh, experience necessary to do the theme park reporting that I do now. I've been a Disney Vacation Club member for over 20 years now. and you know, that, that process of coming down, you set certain expectations for yourself. And as an experienced guest, you know how to moderate those expectations. For the newbie guest, for the guests that, you know, they want to come and see the Star Wars stuff because they're huge Star Wars fans, but they're not particularly theme park experienced. Or for people who just are making their first, you know, lifetime savings visit to Disney World. You know, I'm going to Disney World. How do you really get the Disney experience without doing a whole heck of a lot of homework and a whole heck of a lot of research? One of the things you might recall that Bob Chapek announced at the D23 Expo last August is the Disney Genie, which he represented as something that's going to take some of the stress out of stuff for guests. We haven't heard anything more about it since August when he, when he announced it. Uh, I'm wondering if that's the path they're taking next. But it's that sort of thing. How can you make the experience as good for as many different guests as possible? Because certainly those of us in the know, as a local, I'm not particularly frustrated by these crowds because I always know, well, if I don't get to ride it Tuesday, maybe I'll get to go ride it on Thursday. Or I can find those couple of days of the year where the parks aren't particularly crowded. Or because I do these media events, I, I do sometimes get some access. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, but, there's, uh, you know, I don't envy him in this because it's a, it's a good problem. You've got a lot of people who want to come to your place and partake in what you're doing, and it's not cheap to get in, yet they're still lining up to get in there and give you this kind of money to get in there. And you and want I'm them- sure you saw, I, I was going to say, I'm sure you saw the memes that were going around um, after they announced the opening date for Rise of the Resistance, and heck, after they uh, uh, announced the opening date for Galaxy's Edge, where people would take the uh, picture of the state line of Florida, which, you know, Orlando is more than halfway down the peninsula. People had the uh, welcome to Florida sign with a Disney looking sign next to it saying the, uh, the line for star Wars land starts here, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> right. And, and I, I best heard that expressed by some people in the park one day when I overheard a conversation between two people working in the park where one said to the other, Imagine there's 35,000 people here at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and they're all right there. And they pointed to the what was then still the wall that blocked the entrance to Star Wars. Land. Yeah. You know, so my, my sort of fantasy version of that was a board meeting of the executive leadership of Hollywood Studios where they're sitting around the table going, look, we've just set record attendance numbers at the turnstile. We've had more people in the park than ever before. And then the food person goes, uh, food and beverage sales are next to nothing. And the merchandise person goes, uh, merchandise sales are at a historic low. And they're all looking around at each other going, what's going on? And they're like, oh, everybody's been in one line all day. Wow. And so that's, that's, the, that's the competition that the company has to face. And, you know, they're doing a decent job of it right now. People do have fun when they go to the park. There's no question of that. And certainly... Lots of people are willing to pay the admission, and I'm an annual pass holder and have been for a long, long time. I, I've, spent, I've spent a lot of money on this little hobby of mine over the years. But having said all that, is there a way they can do it better, and, and what are they thinking about in that regard going forward? So tell me about Mouse Planet, uh, where people can find you, everything that you're doing on there, and what you got going on. Sure. MousePlanet.com is one of the oldest websites covering Disney parks and other forms of Disney entertainment. In fact, it's funny because almost 20 years ago when it was founded, I was a young lawyer in Chicago sitting at my desk reading it from time to time, and now I write for it. On Mondays, uh, our our CEO covers Disneyland and what we call the Disneyland Update. On Tuesdays, I cover Walt Disney World Resort in our Walt Disney World Resort Update. And during the rest of the week, we have other articles by contributing authors, including Disney historian Jim Corcus and, and others who've been following the theme park business for, for years and years. And the, the fun of what we do, particularly with our update, is we try to help those people I was talking about before, the people who have some theme park experience but want to know how to get the most out of their Disney vacation, how they can find all the Disney information all at once without going and doing a whole heck of a lot of research on their own. And what else is going on that you might not know about? And, and the, the latest what else and part of our media event uh, that, that was in connection with the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is, for example, I got a sneak peek of Cirque du Soleil's Drawn to Life yesterday. And that's going to be a heck of a something else you can do other than the parks around Disney World. And we're also available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all of them at Mouse Planet, one word. So once again, big thanks to Alan for joining me. I love 
diving deep into Disney. As I mentioned, so many families go down there. Uh, I took my kids there not too long ago, a few years ago, and we had a great time with some friends who live in the Tampa area. And uh, yeah, it's it's Disney. A lot of people say it's not a vacation; it's a trip, and you got to plan for it. You got to put the work in ahead of time. You do the work ahead of time. You do the work you're supposed to do. You'll have a great time. You don't do the work. You're going to walk out of there exhausted like, what the heck just happened? Got to put the work in. Do the research. You can find Disney planners who will plan your whole trip for you. And uh, usually they do that free of charge, actually. They get a cut, I think, from Disney. And they'll plan out your fast passes and all that good stuff. So do the work before you go and it'll work out. And we'll, I'm very interested to see what kind of changes uh, come with this new leadership there. Also love all of your feedback as well. Want to make sure that you guys follow me everywhere. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, you name it. I'm at Marcus Lashock. Very easy to find me. Uh, WGNTV.com slash Coastin is where you can find past episodes of this podcast, my features on theme parks and rides, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, again, WGNTV.com slash Coastin. You can send me a message or suggest a topic for a story on WGN Morning News on my personal website, MarcusLashock.com. You go there, click on the Submit My Story link at the top of the page, and that pings my phone directly, right in my pocket. So anytime somebody does that, I get a ping, and it tells me exactly what they sent. Got some great stories, not just for me, but for our news in the past. Sometimes there are things that I necessarily wouldn't cover, but somebody in the news newsroom would, and those become stories. So definitely reach out to me with any of those. The season is coming. Spring break's coming, and then after that, April hits, and we are flying into another season of theme park awesomeness. So until then, don't forget to push down, then pull up on your lap bars. I'm Marcus Lashock. Peace out.